This morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to thank my lovely wife uh, and the co-pastor of this church here last Sunday for bringing a wonderful word about resisting the devil. In my absence, my, one of my spiritual sons, Pastor Richard, and his wife, Pastor Pam, were celebrating their 25th pastoral anniversary. And I thought that was a significant enough of a milestone that it would, uh, they'd ask me to come and minister that. And I don't like missing a Sunday here if I don't have to, but uh, praise God. We had a wonderful service, and, and thank you for not being mad about it. Amen. Praise God. It's good to know that our, our church is in capable hands. We have such wonderful anointed gifts, not just my wife, but many others. Amen. But I thought that I might be finished with this vein of thought about steadfast faith. Uh, and as I prayed yesterday and studied, I realized that we're not done with it yet. And uh, so if you're a visitor or if you've not been uh, able to consistently be here on Sundays the last several weeks, we've been talking just about that steadfast faith, a faith that is immovable, a faith that is uh, uh, unchanging. Uh, in its stand, no matter what comes. And one of the things that the Spirit of God has emphasized to me and to us, what we're trying to get over to you, is that faith that doesn't change always wins. A faith that never changes, a faith that stays the same, no matter what it faces, no matter what wind or rain or storm comes against our faith, if we'll learn how to stay the same, we'll win. Right? But if we are moved, moved what? Off our stand of faith. Then we are then going to be robbed of our answer. So many times what believers call a no answer from heaven, they'll say, well, God's just saying no, is not that at all. It is that God cannot because we were on the stand of faith, a, a position of faith, but because of the thoughts that came and the feelings that came and the circumstances that came, words got in our mouth. Those, those influences began to cause us to act other than how faith would act and talk how faith would act. And if we're not in faith, that means we're in doubt or we're in worry or we're in fear. And God cannot, right, fulfill what He can only fulfill in faith, in response to faith, when we're not in faith. Amen? And so it's vitally important that we not only learn the laws of faith. How do I get faith? Well, I get faith by hearing. That's what Romans 10, 17 says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That's not hard to understand, is it? We, if you need faith, you, you know, we know where to get it. I don't worry about running out of shampoo. I know I can just go to the store and get some. Amen? And if you need faith for healing, you could come to healing school and hear the Word of God on healing. Amen. Or you could have a list of scriptures that you like on the subject of healing and get those out and confess those every day. Feed your faith. Amen? Then learning how to release your faith. That's not hard either. Faith is relief, released through words and actions. Words and actions. That's how your faith is released. That's not hard. Well, the Bible talks in different places about the fight of faith. The fight of faith. What There is something, 
I've not talked to you about, about anything hard, about how to get faith. That's not hard. How do, I, how do I release my faith? That's not hard. Believe in my heart. What God says, say it with my mouth and act on it. Act on it. That's where a lot of people are missing it. They say they agree with what God says about their situation, but they won't act like it's true. And until you act like it's true, you're not in faith. Amen. Faith is an act. Amen. So what then makes faith hard? What makes faith a fight? Well, it's our, it's our interaction with the enemy while we're in faith. You see, the vast majority of the time, you're going to find your scripture If you're smart, you're going to find the scripture that promises you that God will pay that bill. He will save your child. He will protect your life. Whatever it is that you're wanting God to do for you, you better have scripture for that. Right? And uh, and then release your faith. Well, we release our faith. That just takes a moment. Father, I I thank you for it. I ask it in Jesus' name. I believe I receive it. How long does that take? It doesn't take a long time. But for many, many things that we pray about, the answer doesn't spring forth into the natural right after you say amen. Don't you wish you, don't you wish? Come on. Oh my, would, how sweet would life be if we said amen and there it was. And you know, there was a day that was the way it happened. Before Adam fell, before there's a, a curse unleashed upon the planet, before Satan became the God of this world, there was no opposition to our faith. But now there is. And so see, there is a space of time typically between what I call amen and there it is. And what we do in that space of time between amen and there it is, is going to determine whether you get the answer that you've been praying about. Amen? And Satan is not going to let you go unopposed in that time. So the emphasis of these last four, five, six Bible lessons have been, what does that entail? What does that look like? Amen. Now, Satan has lost access to your spirit. You are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You're not a body. You're a spirit. Just like God. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, right? And it's, it's eternal in its makeup too. Your soul is made up of three components. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, of course, is your reasoning, your thinking ability. Your emotions is all your emotional feelings. That's all a product of the soul. Amen? And then the will, of course, is where you make decisions. I will do that. I will not do that. Right? So that's where we make decisions. That's the unseen, eternal part of a human being. That unseen part of a human being, soul and spirit, so, those soul and spirit so inter, uh, intricately put together that only the Word of God can draw a line of distinction between what is my soul and what's my spirit. Right? Hebrews 4.12. This eternal part of you lives in a body of flesh and bone. Made up of water and dirt. And that's all this is. Amen? And so... The enemy, having lost access to your spirit because you're born again. God lives in there, not the devil. He's not shacking up with the devil, the Holy Ghost. Then his best option remaining is to attack your soul. Is to attack your soul. Or very simply, your mind, 
your decisions, and your feelings. Amen. And so that is his line of attack. Amen. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to be reading much today, maybe exclusively from my Amplified Bible. Uh, So if you don't have your Amplified with you, follow along in your King James or they'll put uh, these scriptures up on the screen for you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, uh, in the Amplified, Paul says, In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. And I like this next phrase, be empowered. Be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say, Austin, to be strong in you. Thank God, right? No, I don't, it's not about me being strong in me. This verse says, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through our union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. I wonder what kind of strength does He have? You're draw, what kind of strength are we drawing on? Wow. I, I don't even have words to kind of elaborate on that. The strength which His boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able successfully, notice this, to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and, I like this, stand your ground. Amen? That you may be able to resist and stand your ground. Let me lower this mic here. Against the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands. Does this indicate that you might face what you might call a crisis? Yeah, you know, the life of faith is not so that you can avoid all problems. It's so that you can win in the midst of all problems. You know, we teach faith real strong around here. Why? Because faith is the most important subject in the Bible. You weep for Christians, you, you ask them, yeah, how many sermons have you heard in the last couple of years in your church on the subject of faith? Um, you know, I just feel. Right? Faith's the most important subject in the Bible. Oh, come on. You can't get saved without faith. For we're saved by grace through, through faith. You can't, you can't get filled with the Holy Ghost without faith. Can't get healed without faith. Can't walk in divine protection without faith. Can't have your bills paid without faith. Hallelujah. So, and yet, even in this church, you know, and churches like it, where you preach faith real strong, people get in a crisis and they want to throw it all off. No, listen, sweetie, this is when your faith, this is when you use everything we've been teaching you. People get excited about it when things are rosy and things are fine and there's cotton candy and, and everything's wonderful. And then they get confused. They get distraught. They, they, get, you know, they get feeling like they've been picked on when they find themselves in a crisis moment. And we're not going there, but we've read several times what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5. He said, think it not strange. Don't think it strange about the fiery trial that is to come and test your faith. Your faith can take it. This is when you need it. When the doctor says you've got a few weeks to live. That's not when you fall apart. That's when you use the faith we've been teaching you. 
That's when you stand on the word like we've been teaching you. Right? When, the, when, the, when you got more months than money and the, and the financial pressure is on. That's not the time to fall apart and throw into towel and say that the word doesn't work. No, it's right then that you need to hold to your faith, believe God, stand your ground and see victory. Amen. And the world and Christians around us need to see more believers coming out of crisis moments with the trophy. Hallelujah. We need examples in the body of Christ in modern time. Amen. Of where we stood our ground against even death itself. And we come out and we can show the world in our generation the Word of God will hold up in the face of death. The the Word of God on uh, He shall supply your needs will, will, it will show up and hold up under unemployment, layoffs, lost opportunities, uh, overlooking things, whatever, foreclosure threats. The Word of God will hold up under those things. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. But notice, Paul says in this passage, standing your ground in the crisis moment uh, depends on some things. And nowhere is it mentioned the love of God in, in here. You know, God loves us, doesn't He? But He'll love us as He watches us go down. Oh, God won't let me fail. Yes, He will. Happens every day. Happens every day. See, if we don't do what the Word says, God will, in love, watch us, and He'll cry with us as we go down. You know, every, every Christian, hope I don't offend you with this statement. If you came in with a religious spirit, you might get a little irritated with me about what I'm about to say. You might already be irritated with me. But you know, every sweet Christian, everyone, everyone who died premature from a sickness or disease died with healing in them. Oh, Pat, yeah, they really did. Romans 8.11 says, If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that Spirit will quicken. And that word means to make alive your mortal body. Hallelujah. We have healing in us now. We have the fountain of life in us now. We have to learn how to get that life turned loose on the inside of us. Doesn't mean people are bad. Doesn't mean people don't love Jesus. And it didn't mean that they, to a certain degree, that they didn't have a, have a measure of faith. You know, Brother Hagen, if you don't know anything about his testimony, it was a, back in the uh, early 30s, he had been about, well, he became bedfast with three incurable diseases when he was in his 15th year. So just a young person. And their family was uh, part Methodist and part Baptist. Nothing wrong with that. I'm proud, born again Baptist and raised Methodist. I'm not criticizing, not about that. Uh, but in that denomination, there's not a lot of light, hadn't been back then, really, I don't know how, how well it is today, on healing. And so he has no basis of foundation to know that God will heal him if he'll believe. Right? And, uh, but as he read his Bible, he would, he would start in Matthew, and it would take him a long time because he had paralysis, he was weak, and he said, uh, if you read his testimony, uh, that sometimes it would take him half a day, Maurice, to, 
to get his brain to send a signal to give his little paralyzed body enough motion to get him to be able to turn one page of his Bible. But see, he's committed. He knew his answer was in that book. He's a 15-year-old young boy. And anyway, he got, he got all the way down through Matthew, through Mark, all the way to Mark 11. When he got to Mark eleven twenty four. 24, something went off on the inside of him. Every time he got there, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, what's it say? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. And something on the inside of him would say, there's your answer right there. Your healing's right there. Well, is healing in that verse? Sure it is. What things soever you desire. That's healing. What things soever you desire... When you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. And for 16 long months, he looked at that verse. And he would say things like, Father, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then one day, the Holy Ghost on the inside of him spoke up. Spoke up and said, you do believe as far as you know. So see, it's not that people are being, you know, I'm not attacking my own grandfather who... Failed to receive his healing, went home early. He had no background, no instruction. And it didn't mean that he wasn't earnestly praying to God and seeking God. But listen, we have to be skillful with these things. Amen. Not attacking anybody. We have to speak directly at the risk of offending people, hurting. Because, man, when I first taught this, my dad, (laughs) y'all ever heard this story? My dad, uh, I, I got, I was in in college, my college years, and I was on fire for God, and, and I was beginning to see some of these things, and my dad was going to be absent for some reason to his, he was a, a Sunday school teacher in the Methodist church there we grew up in, a great church, and he said, well, son, would you like to fill in for me? I said, oh, yeah, I would, because I wanted to share, I knew, Miss Marilyn, that those saints were going to be as excited to know that Jesus is a healer as I was excited. And I got down there and I preached a positive message on faith and healing. And the Sunday school bell rang and they began to line up. I go, here they go. They're going to line up and show me how excited they are. And they lined up, but they lined up to throw me off the brow of the hill. <laughs> like Jesus. They were not excited. They were mad. And here I am just a zealous, young, you know, innocent, you know, little inexperienced Bible teacher. But I'd seen some things in the Word, and then I cried. I sat there and cried. Because they came and said, don't you tell me that my grandpa didn't believe God. He believed God with all his heart. God gave him that cancer. Sure enough. Next, and then, and I got that for about 25 people. And see, that was their mentality. They could pray and ask God to heal them all they want, but if they weren't healed, God said no, and that's the way it is. But the Bible says, church, does the Bible, what the Bible says, does that matter to us at all still? You know what the Bible says? To me, it still matters. You know what the Bible actually says? The Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it's chapter 1, verse 21, or around in that neighborhood, that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. So if healing is a promise and you can't tell me it's not, I've got too many scriptures. Amen? then we know that His answer to that promise is what? Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Amen means so be it. So you got to hear from heaven. I don't care if it's Auntie May. I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's Grandpa Jack. I don't care if it's Sister Sally. I don't care if it's little little baby whoever. God is saying yes 
and amen to their healing from heaven. Why isn't it happening then, Pastor Chris? Great question. Have you ever had that? Great question. Can we, could we agree if we're going to be humble? God is perfect. And He's not a liar. If there's a problem, who sides it on? Let's just be humble. It's on our side. My mom died 58. She died 58 in 2005. Way too early. She didn't die because God said no. She died because she was late. She was late to get saved. And once she did get saved, she didn't do anything to begin to learn what belonged to her. And the Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And she, she, she entered into a crisis moment with no basis of understanding of how to combat the enemy and what was coming against her. And so she went to heaven. Amen? And listen, heaven's better than here. So what I love about being a Christian is even when we lose, we win. Listen, our worst days are behind us. Isn't that right? Our absolute worst day is behind us. If the devil were somehow able to kill me with sickness, what's going to happen to me? He's going to give me exactly what I want. I am not going to allow the devil to scare me with heaven. God's like, ooh, you know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to send you home. You're going to send me home. Homer, where I have kids who love me and my wife's a great cook and you're going to send me home? Okay. You know, it's like the, the worker that came into, that came into work and then getting the morning started and the boss said, hey, listen, I want you to have a great day today. He goes, okay, and clocked out and went home. <laughs> we said have a good day. I can't have a good day here. <laughs> Don't let the devil scare you with home. But I tell you, it takes, it takes a lot to get over to anyone who's been denominationally, religiously brainwashed to flush that old thinking out of them. Because they've been taught since we little, you can pray and we're going to pray earnestly. And we got a little prayer chain and we got 25 people on our prayer, on our prayer list and we're going to say, Lord be with and Lord be with and Lord be with and Lord be with. And that's the dumbest prayer you ever heard right there. Lord be with. You know God can't answer that prayer? Isn't He already on the inside? How much closer can He get to you? He lives on the inside of you. We're going to pray, Lord be with. Again, I'm not criticizing, but we need to be, we need to get a clue on some things so we can start winning instead of losing. And then you hear people saying, well, Father, God, you know it's our, it's our desire, it's our wish that you would heal Granny and, uh, but we know your ways are mysterious and past finding out. And we're just going to put this in your hands. You know what we would like. We would like you to heal her. But if not, go ahead and kill her and take her to heaven. That's what you're praying. Well, yeah, you don't get mad at me. Just repent if you ever prayed like that. And most of those people on our prayer list is going to be 25 funerals. Because God cannot answer that because he, the, those, 
There's no faith in it. Nobody's bringing faith. What is faith? Believe in what He said. See, for God to move in the earth, somebody's got to believe what He said. Tony, you've got to believe what He said. You have to believe what He said about you're forgiven. You've got to believe what He said about your past. You've got to believe what He said about who you are in Christ. You have to believe. And if you don't, you're going to lose out. I'm doing pretty good preaching. I haven't even barely touched my notes. Amen. So notice here, there is some things that we are to do, and doing these things will enable us to resist. I like this phrase in the Amplified, to stand your ground, and in another place, firmly stand in your place. Amen. Well, before we move on here, uh, notice just quickly, I've got some bullet points real quick. What are some of those instructions? Well, number one, he said, be empowered. Be empowered through your union with Him. See, you're, in a re- you're not practicing a religion. You're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you have a Heavenly Father. And you have a Comforter. A Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And what He's telling you to do is draw on Him. Be empowered through your union with Him. And this is a point, I could preach on this a long time, probably won't, that Christians are born again, they got their name in the book, but there's no ongoing intimate fellowship between them and God. And that's why they're weak. You can't have a strong, robust faith in someone you don't know very well. See, and if you'll get to know Him, the more you get to know Him, the the more confident you're going to become. Oh my God, sickness doesn't have a chance. Sickness is a disease. This financial attack doesn't have a chance. But see, you're going to have to cultivate your own relationship with God so that you can be empowered through Him. Right? Notice the next bullet point here is draw your strength from Him. Draw your strength from Him. Wait on Him. Worship Him. Talk to Him. Tell Him about it. Ask Him your questions. You know what I found out as a coming out of that uh, religious background of mine? That I had questions. And you know what? God answered all my questions. You know, I had simple questions like, well, if healing is always for us, then why do in, does anyone ever die? The Bible answers all my questions. I got in the Word and I found the answer to my question. I found out that you don't actually have to die with sickness. That you can leave. Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt two in Philippians. Whether to go and depart and be with Christ. No, he didn't say anything about dying. He said, go and depart. And that's what he means. But notice the terminology. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to have to take my faith off my body and let a sickness take me out so I can go to heaven. No, he said, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a strait here between two choices. Whether to go and be with Christ, which would be far better. Meaning for him, it'd be far better. Or to remain here in my body in the earth for you. And then he ends it with, I think I'll stay because you need me. Now that is not the mentality of someone who thinks God's going to call his number. He doesn't have any choice about it. 
He said, I'm, I'm weighing two options right now. I could go home or I could stay here. See, we have a lot more options and choices than religion has taught us. I know enough about heaven and I've lived enough on this planet that if it wasn't for my wife and my children and the will of God and you, I'd be fine to go to heaven. And I think I have enough revelation about faith that I could get out of my body, take off. Seriously. That may sound far-fetched to you. But again, this is just, this is just my earth suit. You ever seen some of those movies? I was watching Aquaman the other day. And those Aquamen, those Atlanteans, right? When they got up and wanted to fight on land, they had a little, had a little space suit with water in their mask or they're going to die. And then when they punched that out and the water drained out, they got to stick their head in the toilet because they're going to die. They can't, they can't function in that atmosphere. Right? Without that suit, without the preservation of their environment, they can't stay. That's what your earth body is. You lose your earth body, you're not gone, annihilated. You just can't stay here. <laughs> so I had to get you smiling some way or another. You look mad at me. <laughs> well, Marilyn, you're not seeing everybody else back there. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. No, I remember, and don't, don't think that anybody's after you in the pulpit, because I remember sitting in services like this going, wow, wow, shazam, is that right? And go home scratching myself. But, you know, and that's fine if you want to, you know, if I say something, make you go, come on, man, that's not the way I thought about it. Instead of getting mad about it, why don't you just go home and open your Bible, find out if what I'm saying is true. Be like the Bereans. Paul showed up and preached something to the Bereans they never heard before, and they didn't throw it off. They just went home and studied to find out whether or not what he was saying was really in the Word. Praise God. So he said, draw your strength from him. Then he says to us in this passage, don't fight in the natural. It's a spiritual fight. It's a spiritual fight, and we have to become... Uh, understanding of that. Then he said, put on the whole armor of God. And that's, that's a whole teaching. I'm not diving into that. Put on the whole armor of God with a special emphasis on the sword of the Spirit. That's the Word of God and the shield of faith. The Bible says that the shield of faith is to be above and out all, you know, in front of all. It's not more important than all the other pieces of armor, but it's supposed to be out front. It's supposed to be out front. Why? Because it's your shield of faith that's going to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All of the fiery darts of the wicked one that's going to come against you. Amen? Well, I don't have a lot of time left, but I, I want to talk to you about, about this one of these fiery darts that the enemy's going to launch at your mind, and it's fear. Fear. I have been guilty of it. Uh, I don't think if we were honest, we, we've all been moved by the enemy through the strategy of fear. I, I don't think that, I think it's one of his favorite, most successful strategies against believers to get them off their faith and backing up is to use the fiery dart of fear. Right? To get them to move off their stand of faith. And so in our resisting the devil, we're going to have to learn how to deal with fear. Go to Mark chapter 5. 
Mark chapter 5. Do you, you have just a few more minutes or do you have to go? <clears throat> Thank you, Father. I don't, I don't know why I keep coming back to this. Probably because somebody out there needs it. That's usually why. You know, in my spiritual development, uh, I, I came to a place of growth and development where a stark choice was set in front of me. I'm going to have to choose between my, my denominational traditions and dogma or the plain text of Scripture. And I, I, I realized I grew to the place in my understanding of the Word that I was not going to be able to navigate both of those. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to hold to the one and embrace the other because they're in direct conflict. And depending on where, you know, where you're coming from, you may have to make that choice. It's going to be a very substantial, weighty choice that you make that's going to have an effect on the outcome of your life. Because, because I chose to believe the plain text of Scripture regarding healing, it has separated me from some people that I love and care about. I didn't leave them, they left me. Over it. Right? Because they wanted, they wanted to hold to what they had been taught instead of embracing the plain text of Scripture. Yeah. Amen? The consequential thing about that is, is every disease and every attack on our body that has happened in my family since that time, we've all been healed. Been healed every time. So, you know, your decision to, in any Bible subject, you know, I had, a, I had a clear, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to my church. I read my Bible, it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak with other tongues. I, I read Paul, I, I pray in tongues more than y'all. I would that you all spoke with tongues. Tongues passed away, tongues is not force, tongues is of the devil. That's what I hear from pulpits. See, I'm having a choice. I got the plain text of Scripture. I can't find any Scripture in the New Testament that says that, that tongues have gone away, tongues have expired, tongues are not necessary. So I, I have a choice to make. Choice to make. Right? And so, praise God. God has enabled me with His grace to be able to make the choice to hold to the Word. Right? And Jesus, it was the number one thing He had to confront. The number one source of problems and difficulty and opposition in Jesus' ministry was not from common people. It was from religious people who were rattlesnake dedicated to holding to their false traditions. And what, what Jesus showed up on the scene and talked about to them sounded radical. Didn't it? Sounded radical. When it was not radical at all, it was radical sounding because religious tradition is so, had so warped their minds that when they heard the truth, it sounded Mars out there. But Jesus told them, listen, you all have put heavy burdens on the people that you yourself are not even willing or capable to handle. And you have rendered the Word of God of none effect through your traditions. 
And so, again, I don't know why I'm on this, but you need to check yourself and check your heart. How mired might you be in religious tradition? You need to get rid of it. What does God's Word plainly say? And if you'll just be like a child, approach the Word of God like a little child, right? And read the plain text of Scripture. And let the plain text of Scripture form your belief system. You're going to land on victory ground every single time. And this is going to be more and more and more important. I'm not going to get to deal with fear today. (laughs) More and more and more important as we go through these last days. Because the culture is so intent on getting us to believe... You know, it's, there, there are people who would love to make it criminal to say that homosexuality is a sin. They, they want to call that hate speech. To be able to say, I'm having a boy. I'm having a girl. They want, us, they want to force us to say, how can you know that? You'll have to wait to see what they want to grow up and identify as. I mean, it's just, wow, wow out there. You better become a person. You would listen to the pastor this morning. You had better, if you're not already, become a person who accepts the plain text of Scripture. He has not changed. It's still an abomination. It'll still send someone straight to hell. God created them, male and female. He didn't say, get in the earth and decide. No, He made them. He made them male. He made them female. Listen, this stuff's not complicated, is it? But out there, just to say say simple, obvious truths is considered hate speech out there. Amen. So if you're going to be able to navigate these last days... And be someone who does not fall prey to the deceptions out there. You better fall in love with your Bible. You better know it cover to cover. You better get yourself and your family under a man of God who's really preaching it. And I'm not the only one in this city. I'm not. If you don't like me, there's other good men out there that'll preach and teach you the Word. Amen. But you better find one. And when you find one, you better take good care of them. Hallelujah. Someone who loves you enough to tell the truth. Someone who loves you enough to will actually say something to you at the risk of you leaving never coming back. Someone who loves you enough to jerk the slack out of your chain and say, what's the matter with you, sweetheart? That's not what the Bible says. Amen. Someone will come in and say, hey, listen, stop that. Stop that being worried stuff. Stop that. No, stop it. Stop that crying. Stop that being afraid. You're yielding to the devil. Get back over on faith. That's the kind of company you need to join yourself to. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of that today? Glory to God. Thank God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.